Welcome to another weekly comic review from Chaos and Comics. You can find me at Chaos and Comics on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. I am doing this week just doing an audio show since uh, I've been stuck at the house. I read mostly digital, so there's really nothing to show. And uh, I actually have a Batman video that's edited mostly. Uh, but then I got annoyed with, with some of the things and I just put up the raw nine minute video. I got it down to seven. I had, uh, a few Batman, you know, the pictures and the covers showing up. Um, you'll notice that I'm not really centered on the video if you went to go watch it. And that's because I wanted space, uh, for, uh, the cover to show up and stuff like that. But, uh, I got annoyed with Adobe Rush and, uh, there's a free app that, seems to be able to put stickers on easier and uh I still just uh I still just decided to uh go with uh go with just posting it up there. Anyway, that's what I get for not doing that stuff on the computer or not taking it too seriously, just a a waste of time. But uh hey, Batman's up and we are going to talk about the rest of the comics including some Batman. I did not rank them this time around. Um, you know, hopefully this being audio even makes it easier on YouTube, and uh, it does make it easier for me to put it on uh, the podcast, all the podcast networks and stuff like that. So, let's get started. I will start with Fear Case number two. This is by uh, Matt Kent and the uh, Jenkins family, Tyler Jenkins and... Uh, and Hillary Jenkins, who was uh, interviewed on Wack Comics 24-hour stream, which uh, hopefully they cut that out as its own interview, her like 20 or 30 minutes that she was on there. Um, but yeah, she does the colors, and well, it looks like they're just saying Tyler and Hillary on art. So this is Fear Case number two. This is a, a Dark Horse book. Uh, it's one that I enjoyed. I What I really liked about this uh, uh, about this comic is the art. And uh, the coloring has a very uh, crayon feel to it, which uh, which I think really colors the comic, not literally but uh, figuratively, uh, really well, and gives it gives it its own mood. And this is this is what's it's what drew me in to the first issue and made me like it so much. Um, now it is a it is a, a horror book, and there is body horror in it, and I find it. Um, I guess I, you know, I think things like Uzumaki and and a couple other things and some actual film. When I think of body horror, and what's interesting about this is those the, these body horror shots are a lot more uh, a lot more warm. I would say um, there's a scene in here, and I don't I won't get into too much spoilers, but there's a scene in here where there's like intestines holding you know being wrapped around something. Um, but it, it looks a lot more simple. It's, uh, a lot more interpretation is needed from the reader, um, rather than something that's extremely, extremely detailed, uh, which would have worked for a book like this too. So I think that, uh, the warm colors and, um, uh, and, uh, the style, which to me looks like crayon or color pencil, I'm not exactly sure what it is, uh, gives this, uh, its own, um, special particular mood. And I think I mentioned this last time that Matt Kent, Kent seems to enjoy working with off kilter art. And, um, I'm not saying that it's necessarily very experimental or anything, but, uh, it's, it's very unique and it, and it really adjusts and changes, um, the way that I read 
uh, a book by Matt Kent. Uh, I also know that I'm, I also know that I'm going to get something interesting when Matt Kent's writing and not necessarily through him, through either, I'm not always sure that it's his choice of artist. And I know he's, he draws too, I believe. But, um, not only it, just the artists that he ends up connecting with. I don't know how much they're often chosen or not. Um, you basically, and this story, by the way, isn't like some, at least to this point, isn't some amazing Matt Kent story that's, uh, detailed and needs to be read. It's a very, it's a very basic horror story, um, that's well plotted and paced so far through two issues, uh, that has kept me interesting. So, uh, the, a fear case gets to people and, uh, you know, they die if they open it and they have three days to give it to the person they most hate. And if they don't do it within those three days, then the person that they love the most ends up getting the fear case somehow. And it just continues and continues on. And then, um, for reasons I won't go into it, the secret services who is, uh, investigating, investigating the case. And that's its own little, uh, subplot, little thread, um, happening in here that I really enjoyed. So fear case is something I'm going to stay with. I'm expecting it. I didn't go and follow what was going on in previews, but I'm expecting it to be, um, four issues. A lot of dark horses, four issues. Sometimes they do go five. I think like LaGuardia went five. Um, but maybe not. I can't really remember, uh, on that beat to be honest. Um, next up that I read, uh, we can just knock both Star Wars, uh, High Republic books out at the same time. So I've gotten behind on the other Star Wars books, um, like I've had over the years. I haven't even read all the main Star Wars title that, uh, Jason Aaron, Kieran Gillen, and, and Greg Pak wrote, um, through like 70 issues or something like that. Um, and I never finished Dr. Aphra, and so I get behind on Star Wars a lot because there's a lot of them. Um, but I really do enjoy them. It's, it's not, I don't get behind because, uh, you know, I put them on a lower priority. There's just a lot of them and I, you know, I just miss them or I was ordering them, pre-ordering them and got confused about what number I was on. So that, you know, that kind of thing, it's more a systematic thing than it is anything about, um, the actual stories. So first up is the Marvel Star Wars High Republic. And, um, just before we even start, I was really impressed with, um, High Republic Adventures last, uh, last month. So number one of that, I thought normally you're for the Star Wars that's coming out in IDW, it is, um, generally it was pointed towards children, had that, had that anime look that like, uh, or the, the prior ones that, you know, involved Ray or, or Darth Vader, Vader's castle had an anime look or an anime influence look that I saw in like Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel and stuff like that. That's not always for me. I've commented on that uh, many times before. Um, but the High Republic Adventures, which I'm assuming is, is canon because there's no reason for these not to be in, on the adventure side, uh, looked great. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed the art on that a little bit more than the Marvel book, um, which I still like. So Ario, uh, and Indito is the artist, uh, number three. I'm pretty sure it was artist number two also, um, which I still like. So, uh, the difference is, is that the High Republic, uh, on Marvel, in Marvel is following the main thread, um, set by Charles Soule's first book, uh, not Heir of the Jedi. I can't remember what his first book was called, but, uh, it really, that really set the stage for what's happening in the galaxy in this time period, which is a couple hundred years before the Phantom Menace. So episode one, um, you know, Yoda's out there. Uh, we'll talk about Yoda in a second. He's in the adventures book more. But this is, uh, this is coming in after what the events in the book. Um, and I think that the, the hardest part right now for me is that, um, these are all new characters. I, I've heard a lot of the names in the book and, uh, 
And I'm honestly just having trouble... I'm having trouble remembering these characters, uh, which one's which and which names match to who. Um, when I listened, I listened to the book, and I, I don't know that that's the best way to do Star Wars. Um, I think the novels are great and the novellas are great and all that, but I think that's what has to be, um, uh, you know, the the secondary or, or at the third level or whatever. You know, Star Wars is very visual. Um, obviously, the movies are the most important, and and now the TV shows with the success of Mandalorian. Uh, and I would say that <clears throat> for those that really delve into it, we know how great Rebels and Clone Wars was. Um, you know, even though Clone Wars, you know, peaked really great and, and had some rocky episodes because of the nature of the show also is that you can go anywhere in the galaxy and tell a story about someone who didn't necessarily follow Anakin only or, or Ahsoka only. Um, but Clone Wars is an incredible um, uh, piece of Star Wars. So... You know, I, we already have a hierarchy of importance in my head, uh, and and that's not to say that something's better or not. It's that the movies are the most important. Those will always probably be canon. Um, uh, and then now we have a TV show layer, which we didn't have before. Uh, and then we have um, the uh, you know the the cartoons, which maybe aren't featured as prominently. Uh, hopefully, they will be, but you know, people Americans still have trouble with cartoons and watching those for for whatever reason. Um, but I would say that, you know, books and comics are, are probably sort of even, um, but, uh, I think, uh, you know, comics should take the cake because one, they're monthly and, and they're a lot more visual. And I think that's very important for Star Wars because I read Charles Soule's book and I liked it. You know, I think I'm going to look on it. I'm going to think I'm going to look on it later as a little bit too basic because it's, it really is just setting the stage and introducing, you know, there's a lot of drama, um, you know, with the emergency that's happening right now, uh, in that world, in that time, which is, um, the hyperlanes are screwed up. So randomly pieces of ships are appearing, um, uh, in random places in the galaxy and, and, and causing great harm. Um, you know, it's almost like you could be hit by a asteroid at any moment or something like that. Uh, and so I got introduced to a, just a whole bunch of characters, um, so that's the good and bad about the Marvel comic right now is that, uh, I heard all these characters names and I, you know, Avar Chris, I'm, I'm, I can get her down. The, uh, the star I believe is Keeve. See, I'm even trying to remember, uh, you know, the main characters now. So Avar Chris seems to be what, you know, the equivalent of Obi-Wan, like the, the, you know, the wisest leader or something. Yoda's out there also, um, and then Keeve seems to be the, the main protagonist in the book, a little bit younger Jedi. <clears throat> you know, and so you're just sort of trying to, like, get all this together. There's not a lot of uh, anchor yet uh, for these characters. Um, you know, even me, who who read a whole novel uh, and, and had some development for these characters, there'd only be so much development for, like, ten characters or something like that. Um, but otherwise, the book is simple enough and good enough uh, that I've, I've really enjoyed it through three issues. Um, it's just that it's just going to take time to, to anchor to these characters and who they are. You know, one of the characters in here, um, you know, they're on some planet where the, there's clearly the, the dark side is there. And one of the characters is already acting evil, but his, generally his race, um, or his species has been evil. You know, it's a little bit early to, to, to twist him that way. Um, before we really get to know them. So, uh, and those aren't like, those aren't 
criticisms in the sense that it makes the comic bad. Those are criticisms of the situation we're in with this Star Wars uh, timeline, which is it's all it's all new, you know. So uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's it looks like it's going good places, and and it's it gives me what I want from Star Wars, um, you know, epic fun space battles, uh, and I've already resigned myself that I'm not going to get away from Jedi, at least in the High Republic. That's going to be a, a big part of, of everything that, that comes through. Um, at least I have a bounty hunters story in, you know, the, the more, the timelines that I'm more used to, but most people don't like that. And I only got three issues in and I, I enjoyed the three issues I read, but uh, a lot of people are, aren't, aren't loving the bounty hunter stories. So next up is um, Star Wars Adventures. And that is from IDW. Also something I, uh, like I said, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, the first issue I enjoyed a ton. And uh, this, you know, nothing's changed with issue two. I'm trying to find it here on my, you know, on all these uh, digital files that I uh, I captured. Um, and these are at least people that are new to me. So it's written by Daniel Jose Older. And then art is by uh, Harvey Tolabau and Power Rodericks. From Magnus Arts and Rebecca Nalty is um, doing the colors and Jake M. Wood on the letters. So what's what's a little bit more interesting here is that the you know the the Marvel Star Wars follows the characters that I met in the first book, and I'm actually in the middle of um, one of the other books right now. Uh, I better listen to that because I checked it out of the library and I got like eight more days and maybe fifteen percent in. Uh, but this one. Uh, shows the the main villains that have been introduced, and I I doubt that these these Nihil villains um, stay the main human threat. Obviously, the emergences are that I just described are are the main main threat. Um, now the Nihil seem like pretty interesting and crazy characters, but um, you know they're relying on on a on a Jedi thing, as I learned from the uh, from the books from the book that I read from Charles Soule. Um, but the art in here is, is amazing on the Star Wars adventures. I'm assuming, I mean, I'm just going to say that this is canon. There's no reason so far that it can't be. Uh, Yoda is featured in it, and he's leading a bunch of Padawans. Padawans, and so that's how it's really anchored as uh, being a YA book. But uh, to be honest, there is a, I don't see much of a difference uh, as far as the, the, the lightsaber fighting and the battles and stuff. Um, and the Nihil do look very, very uh, uh, menacing. So it does not feel like YA or, or a kid's version of Star Wars to me, with the exception that the, uh, you know, the, the, the main characters are clearly young as the anchor. But the art is just so beautiful here. Um, art and colors, uh, Yoda's fight scenes. So uh, I, I don't even, I like both books, but uh, maybe it's just because I'm so surprised at what I got from Star Wars Adventures. But right now, the Star Wars Adventures is just is beautiful. There's, a, I think it looks like page ten. There's this great spread uh, that um, I can't wait to get physically. I want to see that. I've already ordered these most of these physically, so uh, I've actually spent a lot of money on comics because some, a lot of these I've I've bought twice. Uh, but just uh, really enjoyable all around. I think some people would skip this because they they do think it's not uh, the main continuity, but it looks like it to me. And uh, I'm going to treat it that way because it is so good uh, and so enjoyable in the same way that all Star Wars is. I don't think that I don't think this is a must read like this is not something that transcends Star Wars and others should read it. This is for Star Wars fans and people that are interested in the High Republic for sure. 
uh, which I am that. So similar to what I said about Batman uh, being great for fans right now, but I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it. I feel the same way about Star Wars High Republic, except I am going to buy it because I, I am very interested in that. Let's uh, let's get out of the Star Wars realm and uh, see what I have next up here. Uh, so uh, a couple big books this year, this week. Um, Noctera and Berserker that sort of a uh, well, Berserker transcended the. Uh, the comic community, and Noctera sort of did too, because it's uh, Scott Snyder's first uh, solo indie work in a while. He is doing Undiscovered Country with Charles Soule. Um, but let's, uh, I'm looking at my list here, let's do uh, Noctera first. So, you know, this has a little bit of a feel of that uh, movie uh, Pitch Black, uh, where the the darkness matters here. And I would say mixed with probably a Walking Dead because it's a, a post-apocalypse. The, you know, some kind of a po- some kind of apocalypse happens, and it's a sort of a pitch black style thing. So if you're in the dark, you start to mutate, and uh, you need to keep the light around you, uh, and that's how you stay human. So you're set up in that situation. You have a pretty cool main character who uh, who's. Uh, disease or glaucoma-like symptoms sort of look like they're going to help her or look like they're going to matter to the plot. Um, I should say who wrote, who's uh, on this book aside from Scott Snyder. So Scott Snyder's on the story. Tony S. Daniels does the art and Tomu Mori uh, uh, does the colors and world design is on the letters. So maybe our friend uh, Justin is on it, but it could be like one of five, six, seven, eight people. Um, so I enjoyed the story. It it's a little bit early to know whether it's going to be good or not. But I also think that for some people, um, Scott Snyder is that guy where, okay, we're just going to, we're going to trust what he writes and stick with it and see what goes on. And I respect that Scott Snyder is a really hard worker. And I I don't think that uh, his writing is always for everybody. Um, But uh, I do think it's good. So I have my writers that are like that where I'm just going to buy them, you know, Kieran Gillen, et cetera, uh, you know, and, and add it to the, the full knowledge of their writing. And uh, Scott Snyder is near that, but, um, you know, I am definitely a fan. So this book should do pretty well just based on, on Scott um, Snyder fandom and also his general quality. Um, but it, as a first issue, you know, if it wasn't Scott Snyder, um, it, it, it does have a very basic, I'm in the dark kind of feel. Now, the good news is, is that he said this is going to be one of the anchor books that he'll continue to um, revisit uh, in his uh, his new uh, publishing company. Uh, he said that on the Comic Burrito Show. They they recently interviewed him a few uh, a few days ago as the recording of this. So I think beginning early of Mar- early March. So uh, his interview made this sound a lot more fun. Probably something I'm going to stick with. Also. I do YouTube reviews and I talk to people about comics on YouTube. There's a, a little bit of being addicted to the new stuff, right? And, and Scott Snyder is relevant. So I'll, I'll likely connect with this. Um, the, uh, the art by Tony Daniels is wonderful. And, you know, the coloring is very vibrant. Uh, good for, uh, you know, an action sci-fi with a, a touch of horror to it. Uh, you know, you, you, you hope... And who knows where this is going, because it, it just seemed to introduce the world here and have some pretty cool action. Um, you hope that 
there's a you know there's more than just the mutants attacking. And then you and then on the next level, this is after we're in four or five issues. On the next level, you hope it's a little bit more than what The Walking Dead became, um, which was original for the time, but really more political, human versus human or human group versus human group. Um, not to say that you know everything is pretty much human versus human, right? But uh, you know that it doesn't become Walking Dead with a gleam with this uh, you know pitchback gleam on it. Uh, even if it does, though, I think it's going to be enjoyable for a lot of people. The book did have a lot of action. Um, it was easy to follow. Uh, very good. You know, the art and the story was very good sequentially. It's really going to be whether this, whether the general, um, uh, the general theme and the general way the story goes grabs you. Um, I could say that it grabs me. I could say that I enjoyed it uh, uh, to a certain extent. A lot of it is I trust Scott Snyder also to be able to tell this kind of story um, well or interesting, even though I'm catching some of the some of the uh, the tropes in it. And you know what? Scott Snyder is a you know a huge has a great imagination. So it's only issue one. I could only be thinking I'm catching tropes. Okay, let's move on to a uh, another transcender transcending type comic, which is Berserker. I'm sure the plans are to uh, do a lot more with Berserker than um, than just make a comic with it because it is by Keanu Reeves. It, the main character looks like Keanu Reeves. Uh, they they did get a, a good writer, Matt Kent, to read uh, to probably script this and, and actually write it. I'm sure Keanu Reeves went ahead, you know went, went ahead with it. So it's not just a you know churn out a book because you got some great great uh, creators on it along with Keanu Reeves. Um, so also Ron Garney and, and, you know, me buying this, to be honest, has a lot to do with the Ron Garney art. Uh, the fact that they chose someone like Matt Kent to, to actually write this is a, uh, is a plus to me. Uh, I think that's, that's very meaningful. Um, but I will say this as I was reading it through the very beginning, um, you know, I enjoyed the art and the action and everything. We'll get to that in a second. This is not this is not what I expect from a Matt Kent book. I would have never you could have gave me fifty guesses who wrote this book, and I don't think I would have gotten to Matt Kent. Um, you know, I just don't associate him with this kind of book. Uh, maybe he has. Maybe I'm you know off my rocker. I didn't read his Valiant stuff, so obviously that was uh, a more superhero action based style. I mean, I always imagined, I've always heard and imagined his uh, Exo Manowar to be like high sci fi and stuff. Um, so this book, you know, it was entertaining, uh, you know, a, a focus on art makes it enjoyable. It was a lot like the Juggernaut book where the art for me is the anchor and I, I'm comparing it to the, this last Juggernaut book because Ron Garney also drew that, you know, the art was the anchor to, you know, a story that was, uh, more on the good side, but not on the great side. And, uh, you know, it made me enjoy Juggernaut, made me stick with it and made me read the whole thing and, Overall, even story-wise, I have good vibes towards Juggernaut, um, but the art was the anchor, and it was fun to just see Ron Garney draw those characters in Juggernaut, especially, and, and some of that action. So this is the same thing. Like this is like if Ron Garney, action-wise, was drawing uh, a, a John Wick comic or something like that. Uh, and that's what really the beginning is. Uh, the beginning is a extremely violent and uh, high, high action uh, story. Um, it felt, it felt like 
this is what I felt like. So not only is the story analogous with Old Guard, at least in issue number one, um, but Old Guard has, and I can't remember the artist from Old Guard. Oh, Old Guard has some art, an art style that you need to get used to um, for the kind of book that it is. Not that I would change it now. I've said that over and over again. But uh, you did have to get used to it. You At the beginning, you didn't feel like that artist fit the uh, the action style. Obviously, now I wouldn't change it. This is why I, I try to stay open to art over some time. I let it affect my view of the book overall. Um, but this is what this is the kind of art I would expect in Old Guard. Uh, just great, uh, great action scenes, great panel work, uh, very violent and exciting. Um, the comparisons to Old Guard don't end there because uh, at, basically at the end, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's it's an issue number one, and it, it's not like a super deep book. It's not your typical, um, what I would say, Matt Kent book. Maybe in Fear Case really isn't either, now that I think about it. Art-wise, it fits Matt Kent. Maybe that's why I, I feel like it's Matt Kent. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, this guy clearly can't die, um, and uh, and he's been alive a long time. So that's not a big spoiler. So right now it feels like old guard, um, you know, except maybe there's just a single guy as far as we know. Uh, other than that, you don't know much more uh, about this book. You just know that he can't die and he's a, a military weapon and he's super violent and, and, and kills a lot of people. And that's what you get. So um, I don't know. If you didn't read it, I'm not sure that... I don't have to tell you whether it's good or not. I liked it enough, but you sort of know whether that's going to grab you or not. And uh, the, the Keanu Reeves bent will grab some people, especially considering that this is most likely a, a not, not a comic for comic's sake, but something that is going to uh, be somewhat bigger or, or in other kinds of media. Um, we can move on from that one. What are we at? Jeez, this is uh, basically a podcast. I feel like I barely... It is a podcast. I feel like I've, I've barely talked about some of the stuff. Uh, next up, let's hit one of the only DC, one of the only non-Tom King DC books I'm reading, uh, and that is Swamp Thing. You know, I enjoyed uh, Rom V's uh, uh, Future State Swamp Thing. It was just two issues, uh, but you know, you can't go much, you can't go many places with it, and it was very uh, conceptual, high level, um, because it was set so far into the future. And it was done well in the sense that I can put my own puzzle pieces into it. Uh, but I was excited that we were going to get a full, what I would consider a maxi series of Swan Thing, 1 through 10. Uh, after that, they'll see if they continue on with it. Um, I don't know. I hope they do, like for Ron B's and Mike Perkins' sake, because the book is beautiful and, and it's good for them to have success in, a, in one of the big twos, uh, you know, in a big two book. And uh, Swamp Thing's had a lot of talent behind him over the years, so everyone thinks of Alan Moore, but, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn, Scott Snyder's written it, Charles Soule's written it, um, Neil Gaiman, did Neil? Swamp Thing's, Swamp Thing's like Daredevil. When you look at the people that have written it, you get really surprised that that character has gotten um, so much uh, uh, talent uh, that they're not necessarily famous for Daredevil or Swamp Thing, famous for other things, but you, you realize that, oh, man, they... Those writers cut their teeth on Daredevil and Swamp Thing. Anyway, uh, you know, the book has a, a little bit of gross out. It, it's taking a brand new, as far as like bugs, depending how you feel about larvae and bugs. And uh, it's taking a brand new, it's a brand new take on Swamp Thing. 
Um, Alec isn't even the, the main avatar or whatever. So Rom B is, is doing some, something completely different. We also get a, a new weird character out there, almost like a, the desert version of Swamp Thing. Um, I want to call him the Pale Rider, but I forgot his name now. I'm, I am flipping through the book as I'm, I'm doing this. Uh, but, uh, I think this is, uh, similar to what I said about Berserker so far, as much as I love Ron B and Ron B's the guy that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm picking this up because of Ron B to be honest and all the white noise stuff. I've been talking lots about all four of those guys, how much I enjoy them, uh, as far as new, uh, British based writers. Uh, but the, the art is the anchor right now. Um, Mike Perkins did a great job. Um, you know, Ron B is doing a good job for an issue number one, but it's, it's too early for me to say whether this is going to be uh, a really good series or not. It seems like it's going to be, it's headed that way. But as I'm flipping through this, you know, even, you know, even pictures that aren't action or swamping, um, the, uh, the main characters on a, you know, on a Indo-Pak Airlines flight, um, and Mike, Perton, Mike Perkins kills that picture. This is just a guy sitting in a plane looking a little bit uncomfortable and, uh, just looks beautiful all the way around. Um, there's a lot of great juxtaposition between what you expect in the Swamp Thing uh, book, you know, the swamp and the green and stuff, uh, and then the enemy, which uh, which appears to be the new enemy. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. I want to call him Pale Rider, but uh, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, that enemy, which is in the Sonoran Desert, uh, 50 miles south of Aztec, I'm not even sure where that is. Um, I'm not sure if I live in the Sonoran Desert. I should probably find that out. Uh, that character looks uh, pretty intense too. So, you know, I don't know how you're going to mix the desert and the swamp. I'm already interested in that. But, um, you know, even the portraits of these characters just, uh, are drawn so well. So, uh, so far the anchor really is Mike Perkins and then my trust for what Rombi is doing, uh, all done very well as the first issue and, uh, highly recommended. I know there's a, a small group of us that are somewhat giving up DC, um, you know, I, I don't like to say that I'm giving it. I don't like to think that way because that means that I'm going to shut it out. Um, so I, I, I think functionally I have almost given up on DC over the last year or two. Um, but there are things that anchor me in DC. So, you know, Ron B's work on Swamp Thing. I may even pick up Catwoman because why not? I'm, why would that be the only thing I don't read of his? Uh, and then what, what Tom King's doing, I'm going to stick to it. So I, I'm still going to be reading a Batman book for at least another, uh, what is it? Nine issues. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to keep dipping into the Sandman stuff. I, I get easily behind on that stuff, but, um, but I really enjoy what they've done with the Sandman universe. Uh, each one of the books, to be honest. So, um, I'm not against reading them all. I've just gotten behind. So there, I do have a little bit of anchor within DC, uh, but at the same time, I feel the way uh, a lot of people do. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of two two YouTubers in, in general that are just like, I'm not buying DC right now, and uh, and that makes sense. I've just been there a long time, is all. Um, so there are times where I will still come back around for some things. Uh, what do we got next on this list? I have Infinite Frontier on this list, but I just I just didn't want to read it. So <laughs> um, let's go to the Chariot. Uh, I was surprised to see the chariot uh, pick number one on one of the comic burrito uh, count. There's three of those guys. So uh, I was surprised that one of them picked it number one. Now, I really like um, Brian Edward Hill. Uh, where'd you go, chariot? Uh, I, he, he's one of my favorite writers. So this is why I 
picked up this book because uh, it felt like I hadn't hadn't read any his, anything of his for uh, quite a while. Uh, I think American Carnage from a couple years ago maybe was my best my favorite book of the year that year. Real good crime book. I think the I think my only problem with it was it. Uh, my assumption is it wasn't either wasn't selling very well or wasn't selling very well to be transferred into black label. And, um, you know, so it wrapped up really quickly. It was a, you know, a nine issue series that had an ending on it. And I'm, I imagine it was supposed to go on a little bit longer, but, uh, uh, I thought that was great. That seemed to be something more systematic. Um, and, uh, you know, more, more, uh, a function of what was happening at DC than, than really his writing. And I just haven't read anything of his, uh, really since the pandemic. So when I saw he was doing the chariot for AWA upshot, um, you know, I don't read all of those books, I, and I, I certainly wait for trade on a lot of them, but I, I figured I'd pick this one up. I was surprised that this was uh, the main cover is a Jeff DeCall cover. Uh, um, you know, now that I know it's Jeff DeCall, I could see it, but it's a, a lot more simple than uh, I'm used to him him doing. So it, this one looks like a little bit more fast work. Uh, and then the artist is uh, uh, a new artist I'd never heard of, Priscilla... Uh, uh, Pratates sounds maybe like it's um, possibly Greek. Who knows? Uh, this is a you, know, you, you open up the first pages and this feels like Night Rider. That's going to be the first thing. Anytime there seems to be a, a living car, uh, sports car with a bunch of powers, then it's Night Rider, and it's one of those tropes that's not going to go away. I personally remember the show Viper, which I really liked. In fact, I'm probably going to go try to find those episodes. Uh, that seems like a cool show to to watch in the background for me. Uh, as far as uh, you know, when I'm taking care of the baby or, or doing other things, a show that I don't have to pay super close attention to. Uh, and that's going to be you know the first things that you think of when you think of the chariot. Other than that, this has a this has a a, a nice little glean to it. Um, you know, flipping through, I remember the I enjoyed the action scenes. And, and there seems to be like an almost weird uh, organic touch to it. Um, you know, there's the, it, you know, the story has a, a couple familiar themes to it. A, a father with a sick son who feels like he has to head towards a life of crime. And uh, that's how he gets introduced essentially to this, uh, to this chariot. We'll call it the chariot. And that's what you get in the story, the, the story of, of basically this guy and the car uh, meeting up. And in between, there is uh, some organized crime and uh, a few other things that, um, you know, that mix in and, and, and give you a, a pretty good action story. So I don't know that this is the best Brian Edward Hill I've ever read. Um, it's also the first issue, right? So, you know, and it, and it introduces, it's a little bit more too than... Uh, than just a, a Knight Rider car. There seems to be some biological component, maybe even a maybe even a ghost technological component. So there's a lot more going on in it. Um, but as far as I know, you know, I'm, I'm uh, associating it with Knight Rider and stuff. But as far as I know, we don't have a, a cool straight car book, you know, car action book happening right now. So why not the Chariot? And it's uh, one through five. And uh, another fun action book that I'll probably stick with, um, just based on the fact I'm not reading anything from Brian Edward Hill right now, and uh, that seems like uh, something fun to dip into. After that, I think uh, we're almost done. Uh, just the, uh, all I'm going to end with the X Men books because I know people are only so uh, interested in those. So uh, I'll do one more indie book, 
and that is uh, Dead Dog's Bite. So I might have, uh, I've mentioned the comic burrito a couple times, but uh, Cole over there uh, mentioned Dead Dog's Bite, and this one I might have skipped, uh, and I'm glad I didn't. So uh, this is a Tyler Boss, so highly stylized. Uh, this is this is one where yeah you would read this because uh, there's a lot of interesting style uh, just built into it. Tyler Boss's most famous work is probably um, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank with uh, with uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Um, this book feels different than that for sure. Uh, obviously, from a writing point of view, which Tyler Boss is running, it was uh, Matthew Rosenberg that that wrote Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Uh, Four Kids Walk Into the Bank had a lot of like felt. I, it's been a while since I read it, but uh, a lot of like street movement, a lot of like individual. Um, uh, I can't remember if there's a lot of nine panel stuff in it, uh, but it was written like that. It was drawn like that and, uh, you know, drawing and the figures look very similar, but uh, the stylizations of Dead Dog's Bite is a, a lot different. Um, there's a narrator, which is, you know, a weird narrator that doesn't really fit quite yet into the story, but uh, he seems to be there, you know, uh, telling us what's going on. And then something of a mystery that uh, feels a, feels a little bit like an, like a YA. What it feels like at the beginning, aside from this weird narrator, um, just sort of standing there and talking and, and saying stuff. So the narrator, you can actually see him. It's a guy in a blue suit. I would, if I was doing a video, I would should be showing that. Uh, otherwise, it has a little bit of a feel of the um, currently digital only book Friday. Uh, by uh, Marcos Martin and uh, and Ed Brubaker, which everyone should be reading. You could pay, I think you pay one or two dollars for it, uh, which is also very good. It's like the glean of a YA book, but when you actually read it, it's a little bit darker than that. But I don't know what I'm talking about because The Hunger Games is one of the darkest fucking books I've ever seen and movies I've ever seen. I don't know how kids are allowed to watch that. Um, especially in a world with school shootings and kid on kid violence and bullying. So, so when I say that there's a glean, apparently YA books are completely like that and that's okay. Um, but, uh, this is, uh, that reading this is, I'm, I'm just really happy that Tyler Boss is, is just handling the art and the writing on this because I think that the, the style is just beautiful and, um, you know, every panel, the way they look down aisles, there's a, a lot of depth. So it doesn't, it's not drawn like Mobius, but there is uh, a lot of placement in the way that I'm used to, you know, in in what makes Mobius a great artist to me. Like a lot of Mobius's designs and even coloring sometimes feel um, not lazy, but simple. Uh, and I think that's what maybe a, a new reader might see for Mobius. You know, I'm thinking mostly Inkle stuff right now. And, uh, uh, I think what Mobius does great is, you know, the way he puts things on the page, the way he places things on the page, some of the symmetry, uh, and then uh, the, the depth. And you get that a lot um, as you're uh, reading these and, and as the panel layout works. So to me, this is Tyler Boss's, you know, kills it as far as uh, the weird style is, the weird style that, uh, you know, matches some of the way the characters are acting and... Um, and uh, some of the interactions between the characters, which it which has a just a hint, a hint of Wes Anderson. But imagine if Wes Anderson, um, you know, tilted to drama more than he tilted to quirky comedy. Like Wes Anderson is quirky and comedic. This is you know quirky and dramatic. 
I think. So there's a mystery going on. Um, it's, it's hard for me to say whether there's an element of, uh, now I can't remember if there's an element of supernatural in it. I think there is actually. Now I have to remember what the ending was. Um, you know, a lot of nine panel and four panel stuff, wide four panel stuff. Um, but, uh, just really stylized and really enjoyable read. Uh, once I, once the book finishes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll know better whether the, the narrative really knocks it out of the park, which makes it like something that, you know, secretly I tell people they must read. There's a handful of stories out there that I, I feel that way about. Um, but so far, so good. And, uh, you know, so far I'm going to stick with it. And it's just a, right now it feels like a comic for comic's sake, basically. So, um, if this was put into any other kind of media, it, it would have a different feel. It doesn't feel like a just a script, like an AWA book really feels like. This feels like a, a comic for comic's sake, and uh, we'll see how special it is at the end of the day. And then, um, last but not least, there were just two X-Men books. One of them was Demon Days by Peach Momoko, and that book um, that book was entertaining. I, I like Peach Momoko's art. I, I, I get why some people don't. Um, you know, hit or miss, that fits for me too, I guess. You know, some stuff I like, some stuff I don't. Uh, but... She's a, you know, she has a very specific style and it's all in that old Japanese art kind of thing that you might see on uh, pieces of furniture or bamboo or whatever that uh, you, that just sort of fits in the, like the zeitgeist of our imagination. Who knows if um, Japanese people throughout their history always drew like that. It could be just a period. Um, I am no, uh, I am no expert on Japanese history at all. Um, but that's what her art looks like. And she's brought that into comics and either, you know, sometimes it fits or sometimes it don't, doesn't. And, uh, she's really doubled down on that with her, at least as far as I know, her first written work, um, which is a, uh, you know, a play on the X-Men, uh, but mixed with Japanese folklore. Um, you know, there's a hint of anime in the characters, which I think would be expected, but I would say this, this tends more towards that sort of that art that um that uh, is more traditionally japanese in our head not the anime art that we're used to so don't get me wrong uh some of the characters do have an anime-ish look anime-ish cartoony look but but the coloring and the story and um you know many of the characters don't look that anime they actually have like they actually have um uh, body dimensions that uh, follow more Western uh, body dimensions, not Western like us from the West, but Western art style body dimensions, uh, but all with that, all with that like traditional Japanese art. So just that, you know, makes it worth reading. I'd have to read a lot of this and get bored because the art is so different from really the, you know, the manga, which there is influence from it uh, uh, definitely. And then a lot of like, what's become, you know, digital or just outright, you know, Kirby influence that, uh, we get. So the story was pretty basic. Um, you know, there's a demon, we have to defeat it. Uh, you know, a, a, a worry traveler comes into the village kind of thing. The story was pretty basic, but very entertaining. And the art was very entertaining. And there's just no one, no one draws or does art like her. So that's a, a good enough reason to, uh, for someone like me with my mindset to, to visit this. Um, you know, I know, uh, other people are, get turned off by this or this kind of art, you know, or they don't like the watercolor kind of art, or they just want to stick to, 
um, you know, the, you know, the pop comic Western art that we're used to and stuff. Uh, but I like it when things are different. Uh, it makes me, you know, it colors the way I see other art and other things too. So, um, no one's like her. So that is a uh, reason enough to do it, to, to check it out. I think, um, also it's not tied to what's happening in the, uh, in the Hickman world right now. So, you know, if you needed a taste of X-Men, uh, and you don't want to do the Hickman verse, it's like too much for you, or there's too many of them, or you don't know what to follow, or it's already gotten started, uh, then um, X-Men Legends, if you want the way the 90s felt, uh, is coming out. So, you know, canon stories, but they're taking place in between other stories. And then, of course, this Demon Days that I just mentioned. And then last but not least, I will cover this quick. Uh, it is Hellions number 10. This is uh, by... I think I've started forgetting to read all the, the creators in it. But this is by Zeb Wells, is the writer. Uh, Steven Segovia doing a very good job as art, in art here. David Curiel on colors and Ariana Marr on, on letters. And uh, Tom Muller does the design here. I apologize if I forgot creators on the last two or three books. I'm pretty sure I've got most of them. So Hellions is a comedy book. You know, it's pretty funny. I've enjoyed it. I know there's... The Nick's feelings on all the books, but I, I don't know. I just know what my two favorites are, which are X-Men and X-Force. And then I really enjoy all the other books, including Excalibur. I think Excalibur's done fine. I mean, um, you know, Fallen Angels written by Brian Edward Hill. That wasn't great, but there seemed to be some, um, uh, you know, internal company politics uh, screwing with that one. And, and some weird art from, uh, uh, I forget, um, Polish artists that I like, but it was a strange art. So... Um, yeah, so, you know, Hellions is, what is it, a C-tier X-Men book, uh, you know, and it's at its best, but uh, it does have some cool characters, has had some interesting storylines, but, you know, they're not going to let you use Sabretooth, you know, they're not going to let you necessarily use um, Apocalypse, Onslaught's not going to appear here, you know, Onslaught would be like a world-ending thing, and I don't think anyone wants to see Onslaught. Uh, so you get the C and D-level villains, and... Um, well, Mastermind isn't, you know, he's a lower level villain, but, you know, this one has Arcade in it, and I think they do a pretty good job. I think Arcade is a silly character, but it's a sort of, it's a silly book, and um, it's a silly book with Mr. Sinister as the uh, as the the main protagonist. Maybe Psylocke is, it, you know, depends how you look. It's a team book. Um but I think they did a pretty good job, like, you know, having Arcade be a wackaloo. He's, uh, you know, with the, the Joker's uh, crazy psychology, basically. And uh, and it was funny. His back and forths between uh, Mr. Sinister was funny. This is one of those books that sounds dumb, but when you read it, uh, I think that there's a lot to like there. And it's um, I'm sticking with all the X-Men books until Hickman leaves. So uh, it's going to continue to get its chance with me. But... Um, yeah, I can see how someone would shrug this off, to be honest. But I, I really loved it, and I even liked, uh, I even liked the ending where, uh, um, where, yeah, it was a pretty violent ending. So not a huge, huge uh, cliffhanger or anything. So it wouldn't have been a spoiler. But yeah, just a lot of like weird, fun, silly comic work, and uh, and, and some of it that made me laugh. Anyway, I'm gonna cut this off here. Uh, because it was a semi-podcast, it's uh, you know we went on for nearly 50 minutes here. So you can find me at on, at Chaos and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm doing a lot of MMA stuff on Chaotic Sports, so you can do that on Twitter and on YouTube also. Um, 
and uh, we're probably I'm probably going to start opening up the sports stuff more because I have friends that are annoyed that I'm not pushing them to get on and stuff like that. So I enjoy that as much as anything. So hey, thank you guys for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll be doing uh, more videos in the future um, if I'm not you know stuck to digital like I am right now.